and welcome to the Richard Hunter interview. As ever, this is the place where I'll be discussing matters of interest with a whole range of investment experts. In this episode, which is the final one as a podcast, but more on that later, I'm pleased to be joined by Tim Levine, Chief Executive of the UK's only publicly listed fintech-focused investment company, Augmentum Fintech. After launching the first iteration of the fund in 2010 with the backing of RIT Capital Partners and Lord Rothschild, Tim and co-founder Richard Matthews launched Augmentum Fintech on the main market of London Stock Exchange in 2018. Tim has sat and currently sits on multiple fintech boards, including Tide, Zopa, Fairwill, Awoka and Moneys, and is highly active in cross-industry initiatives working to boost the UK fintech sector, including the UK Fintech Strategy Group. An experienced entrepreneur, Tim co-founded Juice Bar Crush and was a founding employee of Flutter.com, the latter of which became one of the highest profile digital businesses in the UK after it merged with Betfair in 2001. So firstly, perhaps if you could just tell us a little bit about the company, what it does and its aims and objectives, please. Absolutely. As, as per your introduction, um, what stands us out being you know, one of the only publicly listed fintech funds globally is to give both retail and institutional investors diversified exposure to early stage private fintech assets. And you know, we've been building over the last four years um, a diversified portfolio across Europe of businesses, both in the B2B and B2C space. Um, in the you know, fintech ecosystem, we now have 24 uh, investments. Um, the NAV is around 300 million pounds, and that's grown for just over 90 when we listed uh, back in um, 2018, when you and I uh, chatted just before IPO. So a few more grey hairs since then. And uh, could you talk us through perhaps one of your, one or two maybe, of your, your top holdings and why you're currently finding them attractive? Yeah, I'll give you a couple of quite different examples. And when you invest in venture, you you go on a journey. There are very few overnight success stories and uh, perhaps can give you one that we backed a few years ago that has really evolved and started to fulfill its potential. Uh, and one we backed more recently uh, that is on the first part of that journey, but the early signs are, are quite positive. Um, a business that's becoming more established is a business called Tide. Tide has become... Uh, you know, one of the most successful digital challenges in the small uh, business uh, banking space. Uh, it has about 7% market share. When we backed that business, we felt, um, uh, you know, as a, as a fund, actually, we tried to open a business bank account um, as a result of launching a fund. Um, we had a lot of cash because we were yet to deploy it. And we spoke to our bank where we had an existing relationship, albeit we needed a new structure. And we were told it would take six months uh, to go through the rigmarole of opening account, which we found was quite extraordinary when we were sitting on 60 million of cash at the time. And so our job is to find opportunities that are solving uh, problems that businesses and consumers want to solve. And we felt that Tide was really going about it in, in an exciting way with a uh, strong uh, you know, tech platform, uh, with a very capable team, um, and really solving a problem that a lot of small businesses were having, i.e. they were spending too much uh, on administration and not enough time um, running their businesses. And I think we wanted to give 
that time back to the businesses uh, to allow them to focus on what they do best. And so Tide has really kind of seen some fantastic kind of growth. I think when we backed it, it had a few thousand customers now, uh, well over 400,000 um, who have accounts with them. And, you know, I think if you look at uh, the number of new businesses that are being formed um, as a result of some, you know, challenging economic conditions, whether it's the pandemic or the current cost of living crisis, in these times, you do see a spurt in entrepreneurship. And I think someone like Tide is really well positioned to allow people to open accounts in, in hours um, rather than weeks and months. And, uh, you know, that's a business that does continue to go from strength to strength. I think the flip side um, is, you know, our job is to continue to find, you know, the next generation, what are other interesting trends. And we backed a business called Cushion about a year ago. And, you know, a trend we've been following for the past three or four years has been pensions uh, and auto-enrollment um, as a result of uh, employers and employees um, um, being um, asked to contribute um, both uh, into, uh, into pension pots. And when we looked and, and tracked that market, what we were seeing is very little innovation, very little digitization. Uh, employers were increasingly looking for digital solutions. They want their employees to be engaged. They want to uh, increase uh, their employees' awareness of the value of pensions, importance of savings, which uh, I'm sure you know you talk a lot about wearing your kind of interactive investor hat. Um, and I think for us, we felt there was you know a gaping hole for someone to come in and really fill that. And I think Cushion has built uh, a very compelling digital platform for workplace pensions, has grown since we invested it in it back in uh, in the summer of last year. It had about. 400 million of assets on the platform, and that's grown to nearly 2 billion pounds of assets in, in 12 months. So clearly a product that both employers and employees want, um, and a long way to go, because, um, you know, we think uh, if you look at kind of the government rhetoric for uh, for saving for pensions, where you know, likely employers will continue to increase that contribution over time, uh, you know, it's uh, it's an opportunity that we feel um, we're particularly well placed to capitalise on now as a, a as an investor in that space. Absolutely, and, and given the fact that um, obviously that you're investing in in early stage companies, how has Augmentum as a whole uh, been faring in recent times in in terms of return? Obviously, there have been rather uh, larger and wider challenges uh, in markets globally. Absolutely. I mean, I think the, the challenge of venture is to build diversification because you have to be prepared to take risk along the way. And if you're not prepared to take risk and fail, um, then ultimately you're not going to deliver those kind of high teen, uh, low 20s uh, return objectives that you that you have. And if we look at how we measure our return and we would look at the internal rate of return, so the capital that you're deploying, what are you delivering in terms of uh, growth in that capital on an annualized basis? We've averaged over the first four years uh, around 20%. And that's our internal target uh, to be delivering over the long term. 20% in kind of realized returns to uh, to our investors. So I would say the first three to four years have been about building out that diversification of portfolio. And now we're starting to see the first signs of maturity in the portfolio where your first exits are coming through. And funnily enough, Interactive Investor was... Uh, um, uh, you know, has been our most successful investment to date, which uh, has recently sold to Aberdeen. And that delivered 
about as 87% um, RR and 11, over 11 times um, return. So I think you need these outlast success stories to allow you uh, to be able to kind of take that risk along the way. But ultimately, uh, venture capital is about, you know, taking calculated risk. Um, you are backing um, individuals where you have high conviction in their capability to solve a diff difficult problem. And in the world of financial services, you're competing against huge um, global corporates with very significant balance sheets, and that can't be underestimated as well. So you need an exceptional uh, team that can execute in a seamless way in order to be able to kind of deliver that outlier return. Uh, and, you know, our job is to make sure we have more winners than losers to deliver that ultimate return. And we're off to a good start, but there's still a lot to prove going forward. And I'm sure the, uh, the potential balance that you've been mentioning between risk and return will be of particular interest to our listeners, uh, given the current backdrop. Now, growth companies have, of course, famously been out of favour uh, in the current rising interest rate environment. Does this, does this present you with a, an opportunity or a threat? For example, is it fair to say that fintech M&A mergers and acquisitions are on the rise? Uh, I think you will see that next year. Um, there has been a very significant amount of venture capital that has been invested over the last few years, 2021 being uh, the most significant year by, by some way. Um, and the challenge at a lot of these fintechs is to get to scale. Um, as we talked earlier, not all of them will succeed. Um, some of them are solving problems yet on a standalone basis, these businesses aren't quite big enough. And so you will see the economies of scale uh, kick in and there'll be some consolidation. There'll be some that don't make it. And there will present an opportunity for some of the larger fintechs and perhaps some of the uh, incumbent players to look to M&A um, as a way of solving their challenge of digital transformation. Because if you think about the challenges that large global banks and insurers have been trying to solve over the past uh, 10, 15 years, they've been going through a very painful journey of digital transformation, spending hundreds of billions of dollars of R&D and CapEx um, on either propping up their existing legacy tech stack or building their own technology. And in many cases, a lot of these uh, capital projects have been unsuccessful. And I think there's a greater recognition that they can't solve their problems, uh, all their problems from within. So increasingly, they're looking externally, they're looking to work and collaborate with these fintechs. And I think you will see many more examples um, of M&A um, from both the largest global players, as well as some of these, uh, you know, emerging fintechs that have either listed or have strong uh, capital bases and yeah, twenty three and twenty four. Uh, I think the activity will be uh, uh, will be accentuated for uh, for sure. But coming back to you know the previous point on um, you know growth being out of fashion, uh, it was very much in fashion in twenty and twenty one, and uh, certainly out of fashion in twenty twenty two. And I think if I if I think about a lot of our retail investors, many of whom uh, invest through uh, uh, through II. What we see is a lot of um, investors that are using their SIP or their ISA and taking a very long-term view uh, on the market. So aren't uh, too concerned in a market that is uh, erring on the upside or on the downside. I think fundamentally for us, we are a longer-term play. Um, you know, we have real deep domain, domain expertise um, in the fintech space, and our job is to sift through the thousands 
um, of opportunities in the market, of which, you know, in a, in a typical year, we might well look at 1,000 to 1,500 companies and invest in uh, four or five. So the hit rate is, uh, is very, very low. And even when you've sifted through that, uh, you're not always going to uh, get it right as well. And I think um, retail investors in particular um, are investing with us. Um, and hopefully we can demonstrate that we can find and identify enough of these gems to deliver that long-term return that we're uh, working towards. Which leads finally to my final question, Tim, which is um, what's your outlook from here? For example, will we be raising further capital to fund growth? And just how are you going to continue your success story so far? So I think for us, the, the challenge is to continue to grow and the ambition. Um, we're well capitalized at the moment in terms of cash available, both to continue to invest in the existing portfolio, but also to look uh, beyond and grow the portfolio. Uh, I think we've always talked about um, you know, increasing the size of the fund. And we can do that in two ways. One, hopefully, is through continued growth of the underlying net asset value. And two is through uh, raising further capital. Um, as I said, in the uh, in the short term, we, we are well capitalized, but the ambition is, is for this fund to continue to grow. I think the outlook for fintech more generally continues to be positive. I think if you look at the amount of capital available in the market, if you look at the structural opportunities and financial services, and I think the one thing that we always come back to as an investment team is we look at the penetration um, of financial services by disruptors uh, and correlate that to un other industries where disruptors have come in. And if you look at financial services, disruptors are still less than 10% um, of the overall market in terms of the revenue pool. And so there is a huge prize to, uh, uh, to attack. And if you think about the sheer size of financial services, we're talking about 12, 13, $14 trillion market, depending on how you um, uh, interpret the market. And that's where the, um, you know, the opportunity lies. So I think there's you know, a significant opportunity still in the space, recognizing that the macro uh, economic environment is, uh, is challenging. Um, and I think we'll see pricing come down in the market, which uh, isn't a bad thing. We'll see what we would define as less tourist money uh, coming into the market, getting exposure at any cost. Uh, and that plays quite well for uh, specialists um, like ourselves. But it's our job to remain disciplined, uh, to uncover the gems in the market uh, and continue to have that ambition to grow, but to be patient as well. And I think in, in the current market, patience is something we've shown quite a lot of in the past few months. Uh, and, uh, you know, we think 2023 will present a fair few exciting opportunities for, uh, for the fund. Fascinating times indeed. Um, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for. So many thanks again for your time, Tim, and for those valuable insights. That's Tim Levine, Chief Executive of Augmentum Fintech. I should say there's just time to tell you that in the next few weeks, our podcasts will look and sound a little different. The Richard Hunter interview will be moving to the II YouTube channel. It's a video-based series where I'll be welcoming guests who know the city best to talk about all things markets. You can expect the occasional wildcard to be thrown in there for good measure too. It's free to subscribe. Just for search for Interactive Investor on YouTube and hit the red subscribe button. Meanwhile, FundsFan will become a new weekly po podcast called On The Money, hosted by Becky O'Connor and Carl Caldwell, which will look at the biggest news stories and how they could affect your investments. If you're already a subscriber to our podcast, you won't need to do a thing. 
the new show will appear automatically in your podcast feed. So tune in to the next Funds Fan to find out more. And finally, a huge thank you to all my guests that have appeared on the podcast in the past few years. And thank you for listening. I hope you'll join me on our YouTube channel very soon. Bye for now. <laughs>